purposeful to come and unite around your word. Father, I thank you that we are going to get what we came for. And I thank you that we come expecting to hear your word, coming uh, and expecting to receive something that's going to strengthen us for the rest of our week, Father. I thank you that we have this opportunity to hear your word, feast upon your word, study your word, and that it's going to strengthen us and it's going to help us become everything you want us to be in the kingdom, Father. We're so thankful. We love you and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. I'm going to read it in the New King James. And then as we've been doing the past several weeks, I'll read it again in the message. New King James says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate or has self-control in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we in the kingdom of God for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight. This is how I fight. Not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Let's read that again in the message. Um, if you have your eye device, you can follow along there. Otherwise, you can just listen. Um, it just kind of opens up things a little bit better. It says, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone, everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal. Uh, I just read that. Verse 26. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No, slop, no sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. <clears throat> so here we see that Paul is talking about this race that we are running. And all of us are running a race. The second you got into the kingdom, you became a participator in this race. But see, Paul is noting here that it's not just enough to participate or to show up. You ask any athlete out there, they're not there just to show up and get their name on the slot. They're there to win the prize. Remember we watched the commercial. Uh, we didn't play it tonight. Uh, but we watched that one commercial. I, I believe it was a Citibank or City Card commercial that they were playing during the Olympics. And it's got these three people. First one, it shows a guy and it just shows his hands and he's diving in to the water. And he says, take a morning off. I don't, or take a day off. I don't even take a morning off. Then we see uh, the hands of a girl on a bike and she's just pedaling through this road and she says you know that new book that just came out yeah i haven't even been able to read it i haven't even read it yet then you got another guy that i think he's throwing a discus or something like that and he says something about uh you know uh, i haven't eaten dessert in in three years i think he says and so we're talking about the training and the discipline that these athletes are putting themselves through now you know these olympics they only come around every four years so they've been training since the last one 
for this next one. And they are working hard. And the things that they're cutting off out of their lives, the things that they're not allowing to influence their life, they're not partying on the weekends with their friends and they're not eating whatever they want. They're not you know, sleeping in and staying up all night. They are training, disciplining, and just like Paul says, beating their body into subjection. This is what you're going to do. And why are they doing that? Because the goal that is in mind is that crown, is that gold medal at the end. That's the one thing that they keep seeing in their head. When they're waking up, the alarm's going off at 4 o'clock in the morning. I see a gold medal. When, when I'm looking at that cheesecake, but I know I can't eat it, I'm seeing the gold medal. When my friends are calling and say, hey, you want to go hang out tonight? And he's saying, nope, you know, I really need to get to bed because i got a lot to do tomorrow. The gold medal is in front of them. They are going after that prize. Remember we said that there is no great athlete that shows up for second place. Nobody's going into the Olympics saying, you know what, I'm all right with bronze. You know, I, I like bronze better anyways. It looks better on me. I'm not a real gold guy. You know, silver is my, my color. No, they're going after the gold. They're going after the top thing. Another thing that I find interesting is most of us, we can name people that came in first place. Michael Phelps, obviously he is a history maker. Everybody knows his name. Can anybody tell me the name of the guy that came in last place? Nope. Sometimes we remember second and third just because they throw those in there, but beyond that, we don't know anybody's name. Uh, you, you can't tell me the guy that raced with Usain Bolt. We know his name. Came in first place. But the whole rest of the lineup, couldn't tell you. What is it? It's greatness. People are after greatness, and greatness is what makes you notable. I'm going to tell you right now that this Bible is full of names that were given uh, of people that did something great for the kingdom of God. You know, there's also people that are mentioned in there, but they're mentioned as the tribe of this, or as the family of this, or the clan of this. The question I have for you is, do you want your name to be in there, or do you want to be known as, I was part of this family? See, there's one thing to be on the, that's one thing to be on the team, but it's another thing to have your name stand out. You know, most great sporting events, even the championships, the World Series, the Super Bowls, they usually have what is called an MVP. And that's the guy that stood out in even that game. The whole team got recognized, but there's even one more person in there that stood out. And we got a Bible here that's full of MVPs. We got Noah's, and we have David's, and we've got Joshua's, Daniel's. We've got Peter's and Paul's. We've got people that have stood out even among those that have done great things. And so the title of my message tonight is, I Am the Greatest. And we've heard that before. There was a very great athlete that said that a lot to taunt his <laughs> opponents. And he'd go in and he'd say, I am the greatest. But tonight I want to tell you that you can rightfully declare that you are the greatest. And we were, we're talking about this disciplined lifestyle, and I want to show you what the greatest looks like. I want to show you what people look like when they run 
go for the prize and obtain it. So tonight I want to give you three keys to being great. Three keys that I've seen throughout God's Word, and, and specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the passage we just read, that will lead to you being great, having greatness come out of your life. The first key I want to show you is run your own race. Run your own race. There in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll just hit the verse again. Verse, uh, Let's see, which verse is it that I want to point out? Well, it all pretty much says the same thing. Do you not know that those who run in a race, they all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. But here's the thing. Let's take Michael Phelps, well-known name. Say he feels like he doesn't want to go to London. Say he doesn't like London. That's a dirty town. It's too crowded. I don't feel like going to London and have to show people how great I am at swimming. In fact, the last time I made all these records, I was in Beijing. So I'm going to go back to Beijing. And they're getting ready to start the race over in London. And he says, well, I'll just go over here. And he's going to jump in a pool over there. And he may even get a lot of people, a lot of spectators that want to see him swim. Are they going to count him in the race that really counts? No. The word race there in the Bible actually means specific standards and parameters. When it says to run your race, it's actually talking about staying in a certain area, living up to certain standards, and running your race. Here's the thing. You can't run someone else's race. You know, the Bible over in Hebrews says to, uh, to lay off, put aside every weight and sin. But you know what? My weights for the race that I'm running are different than the weights you have in your race. The, the weights that I have to put down in my life and the things that, that, I, that I come against in my calling, they're different than yours. And if you try to run my race according to the standards that God has set for me, uh, you, you won't be successful. And vice versa, if I try to run your race, I'm not going to be successful. Because... When you take on someone else's race, you also take on someone else's weight. And so there's a specific standard and specific parameters that God has laid out for the race that we're in. You also notice that you have to stay in those standards and parameters. There's no runner, say they're running you know, the, the more long-distance one where they're going around the track. They're, you can't cut, cut across the infield. You can't say, hey, you know, forget this. I'm not going all, I'll just go across that way and beat you to the finish line. You know, I, I, can't, I can't just all of a sudden say, you know what, hold on. I'll race you from here to there. You can't, you can't change it. Because the race also means it's a specific length. And sometimes when we're running our race, we think we want to go in and change how long we run that particular race that God's called us to run. And he's saying, no, I've got a race set for you. You can be successful and you can fulfill that assignment, but you've got to stay within the standards and the parameters that I have set for you in that race. 
So these are things that we have to think about. Sometimes we look at someone else's, uh, you know, walk with Jesus and we say, man, I just really wish I was that close. I really wish I was. Well, you know what? They've laid a lot of, they've gone through other races and they've laid a lot of stuff aside. And it's not that you can't obtain that, but let's just run the race that we're in today. And then we'll see that thing progress. If I got up under some weight that, uh, you know, some other stronger guys were used to pushing on a regular basis, I'm going to be unsuccessful. The weight will crush me. I'm talking about in the gym or, you know, bench pressing. And, you know, we've got one guy back in, in St. Augustine, one of our pastors, Pastor Mike, who's done it for years. When he was in his 20s, he was in the top 25 strongest men in the state of Ohio where he lived. And this guy, I mean, he can bench over 500 pounds like nobody's business. If I get under that, <laughs> forget about it. That's almost five times my weight that he's pushing. And so I'm not going to be successful trying to do. So how do I get to where he's at? Start where I'm at today. When you're training, the first thing you have to understand is you always, we always start small. And there's always progression, but progression only comes by fulfilling your assignment today. See, I, I, I just recently started running. And running is one of the things that I hate the most. I hate it with a passion. I hate just getting out and just running long distance. I'm a sprinter. I, I'll go from here to the door. <laughs> but you want me to run, you know, go down the block and come back? Oh, I hate that. But I just recently got into that just trying to, you know, do something different. And the first day, man, I, I didn't feel like I was doing much. I, I went around the block once, and I was like huffing and puffing. And, and then I just started pushing myself. And I haven't done it in about a week now, but when I, when I left off, <laughs> hey, I'll tell you, it's hard to keep it going. We all know this. We all know this. It's been probably about a week since I got out there and ran. But uh, where I got to, though, after about two or three weeks of, of running every day, I found myself in a position that I was running further, and I was able to push myself harder. But it's only because I started out doing what I did the first day, and then went on the second day, and then you just keep pushing yourself. And a proper coach and a proper trainer knows that. If a coach comes in and expects you to do way more than he knows you're capable of doing, they're going to push you. But to lay on you weights that don't belong in your assignment, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And, you know, last week we talked about coaches. We talked about the people that, are, that God places around us, our pastors, our godly friends, godly mentors, uh, the Holy Spirit that's living within us. And those coaches... They're never going to put you in a position to put weight on you that you're not capable of bearing just yet. And so we, we, you gradually get there. And that's what we have to understand about training. But there's specific parameters, specific standards if we're going to run our race. The second key to greatness, the second key to getting that greatness out is knowing that you are already great. Knowing that you are already great. First John chapter 4 and verse 4, one of my favorite verses, 
says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because he that is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. There is greatness inside of you because Jesus Christ, the greatest one, the creator of the universe, God, lives inside of you. And he is wanting you to match the greatness that he is capable of. You know, I I know what it's like to be a champion. My sophomore year in high school, I played baseball all through life, and my sophomore year, we, I had a great opportunity. We went undefeated the entire season and went to the state champs and were state champs in our division, and it was great. I, it, one of the greatest feelings of all time is to be number one in the state, especially in the largest state in the contiguous 48 states. I mean, Texas is no small state, and to be number one in the entire state that's something else. But there was something, that, that was an interesting year. I had a great year. I was pitching uh, by default, really, because one of our, our regular best pitchers uh, had an injury to his arm and couldn't play almost the entire season. And so I stepped up. I was normally an infielder. And I stepped up to help pitch and had a great year. And... Um, we, had, we, we went to state. We were undefeated the entire season. We went 13 or 14-0 and 0 the entire season. And so we get to state. It was out of town. And we already got an automatic bye in the first round. We didn't even have to play the first round. Second round shows up, and it's a team we're already familiar with. And then we knew that one of the other teams was either going to be from San Antonio or Houston. And so I thought for sure... Because I wasn't the best player on the team by far. How many of you know you don't got to be the best player to be a winner? I'll tell you right now, you have Jesus Christ living inside of you. And because he's victorious, because he's greater, sometimes we fail, sometimes we mess up. But because the greater one lives inside of us, we're overcomers. And I knew I wasn't the best pitcher on the team. So I thought for sure the coach is going to put me up against a team that I'm already familiar with. I'd already beaten this team twice this year. Team from Alito, Texas. And so we get to that game, and he doesn't pick me. And I know if he doesn't pick me for this game, that means I'm being picked for the state championship game. And that made me a little nervous, and, I, and it got to my head. The other guy pitched uh, against the Alito team, and he no-hit him. Didn't even get a hit. The other team didn't even get a hit. We won like 12 to nothing. And so, I'm, and, and to be honest with you, I let it get to my head, and I was a little frustrated. I was like, why didn't he pick me to play against a team I've already beaten twice? I don't know why I got to, now I have to go up against a team I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about them. And obviously, they're one of the best teams in the state as well, because they're in the state championship game. So I go in against that team. I didn't make it past the third inning. But we won the state championship game. And even though I wasn't the greatest on the team, I still got to celebrate in victory. I still got the trophy. I still got that to my name. And our name is up on a banner in the, in the gym at the school even to this day. So what am I saying? 
the greater one lives inside of you. Now, I want to I turn this a little bit because there is, there is a lot to do with humility, and, and I believe that there's more that needs to be taught about a humble attitude and, and, and humility. But I'm going to tell you right now that God wants you to identify with who he is inside of you. And a lot of times we look at who we are physically and the, the weaknesses that we have in our flesh. And I'm not denying those at all. But what I'm telling you today is that I want you to realize that the greater one lives inside of you and who you are on the inside is greater than who you are on the outside. I can tell you right now, what beat me in that state championship game was my mentality. Because had I gone into it knowing, you know what? I've played great all year. Our team has done phenomenal all year. They're backing me up. Because I beat myself in that game. I remember the, the, the third inning when they finally, when the coach finally pulled me out, I had the bases loaded and I walked every single person on the bases. They didn't even hit the ball. I didn't even give them an opportunity to hit the ball. I beat myself in that game. I couldn't even pitch it down the middle. That was me. But I'm telling you, had I talked to myself differently, had I taken on a different perspective. See, there's a lot of times that we look at ourselves and we just say, you know, man, I'm just a sinner, man, I'm always messing up, man, I just can't seem to ever get it right, man, I'm tired of talking like that, man, I'm tired of thinking like that, I'm tired of treating people that way, I'm tired of, you know, telling my kids that, I'm tired of acting this way to my husband or my, my wife, and, and God is saying, I'm greater, and I live inside of you, and I have made you greater. And I promise you that if we went into it with that mentality, that you would start overcoming in situations in life. You would find yourself running your race and being victorious every time. And you'd find yourself putting aside the weights and the sins. So we need to start telling yourself, greatness is already inside of me. I am the greatest. Whether you really believe it or not, you keep telling yourself until you believe it. You keep, letting, you keep reminding yourself who lives inside of you. The power that is available inside of you to change the situations, to act differently, to treat people differently, to talk differently. You have that greatness living inside of you now to overcome in every situation. John chapter 14, verse 12, if you don't believe me, let Jesus say it then. John 14, verse 12 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Now that's something else for Jesus to tell you that what I've been doing on the earth, you can do in the earth. The areas that I've overcome in life, you can overcome in life. But then he goes a step further, and he says, And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Jesus said, it's actually more, it's better for you if I go, because then you become empowered. Remember that first week we talked about grace. We talked about grace. Now, the writer of this chapter, the writer of 1 Corinthians who was talking about running his race, and this isn't the only time he talked about running his race. 
He talked about it in Acts. He talked about it when talking with Timothy. And that's Paul. And there was one time Paul got into a situation where there was just stuff coming against him all the time. And, and, and he, he questioned the Lord about it and he said, what is going on? How am I going to keep on going? How am I going to keep running my race? And you know what God told him? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough to get you through whatever you're going through. What was that grace? Remember that grace, we defined it as the empowerment to do what you cannot do naturally on your own. Remember, Jesus did not just pay the price and the penalty of sin. He also took away the dominion of sin. He broke the control of sin and those weights in our lives. To They, they don't dictate our lives anymore. They don't tell us what to do. We are able to not only get out of hell and not have to pay the price for our sin, but we can get to the point where sin no longer controls us, and we say, you know what? I'm not going to act that way. I'm not going to talk that way. I'm not going to look at that thing. I have control over sin. Sin does not dominate my life. And so Jesus is saying here, greater things you will do. Why? Because the grace of God is within you to be able to run this race. Anytime it feels like too much, Anytime it feels like things are just coming against us and, and, and we can't seem to break it off of us, remember that he's not putting you through anything that he doesn't think you can carry. What kind of coach would do that? If I had a coach that was trying to, uh, say I had a, a strengthening coach, and I said, here's what I want to do in the, next, uh, in the next 12 weeks, the next three months, I, I want to lift more weight. I want to lift this much more weight. I want to be this much stronger. What kind of coach would he be if on the first day he shows up and he throws on 100 pounds more than what I was normally doing the week before? What kind of coach would do that? Jesus isn't doing that. God isn't doing that. Whatever you're going through in your life, whatever's coming across your path in the race that he's called you to run, remember his grace his empowerment, his divine power inside of you to break that is enough for you. It's sufficient in your life because the greater one already lives inside of you. We've got to begin to identify with the greater one inside of us, not the weaker one on the outside. It's where you identify yourself. It's how you picture yourself. The third key that I have to being great. The third key, and Paul covers it in the last verse, in verse 27. He says, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Why? So that when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. The third reason is, do not disqualify yourself. Don't take yourself out. That's what disqualification is. Disqualification is where you have broken the rules or broken the standards that remove you from the contest. That's what disqualification is. 
there's, when, when disqualification comes, there's nobody to blame but yourself. You can't say, this other person disqualified me. It's because of something on our own. And we have a responsibility to watch that in our lives and to make sure I'm not disqualifying myself from running this race that God's placed before me. Uh, I was just talking with Jimmy, and I had already planned to go here. It's just kind of funny. The conversation came up. But this past week, two baseball players, I don't know how many of you are familiar with baseball and the whole uh, drug banning and drug use and substance abuse that's been going on in the game. Uh, Well, it started back in the 90s is where it really got rampant, and they started cracking down in about 2004. And since then, they've really cracked down, and it's serious stuff. They're not playing around. If you're using testosterone, if you're using HCG, uh, if you're using um, steroids, if you're using any of it, I mean, they're banning stuff that I don't even know how to pronounce half of it. But they're finding that these things are enhancing people's skills and, and abilities to break down muscle and build it up quicker um, or, or to uh, not be sore, uh, all these different kinds of things. And this past week, within the last seven days, two players have just been banned. Uh, the the first, uh, first time you get caught is 50-game suspension. They ain't playing around. Second time you get caught, it's a 100-game suspension. Third time, you're out. You're not even allowed back in baseball. And two guys this past week got caught. They have been disqualified from playing Major League Baseball. Now, here's the thing that I want to bring to your attention is what you do off the field can disqualify you just as much as what you do on the field. Marion Jones, does that sound familiar? She was an Olympic runner back in the 90s. Substance abuse. Found that she was using a drug to enhance her skills and enhance her body. That wasn't allowed. Disqualified. But see, those drugs weren't taken on the field. They were plugging in syringes in their bodies off the field where nobody could see. And that will disqualify you just as much as if you cheat on the field. We all know there's ways to cheat on the field. Uh, in baseball, you can. They, they've got so many different rules now. It's amazing people don't cheat on accident. But there's pine tar they can put on bats, the... Uh, pitchers can do things uh, to the ball to make it speed up or make it move differently. They do all kinds of weird things. Both will disqualify you. And sometimes we just focus on the things that people see. You say, well, you know, I don't want to be disqualified in front of people. But that disqualification, you can become disqualified just as much by what's taking place off the field as you can by what's taking place on the field. And so we've got to be careful no matter what we're doing, no matter what part of our life. And this is where the discipline comes in. Remember, we're talking about a disciplined life. We're talking about athletes that uh, aren't, aren't allowing things into their bodies that are going to produce wrong results. We're talking about athletes that uh, aren't doing things with their bodies. 
You know, uh, most sports athletes in their contract somewhere uh, states that they're not going to participate in certain kind of activities where they could possibly get hurt. It happens. You, I mean, there, uh, uh, a football player is probably not going to be allowed to join, you know, a nice little flag football, you know, uh, game on the weekends with his buddies in the off season, because if he gets hurt doing that, he's going to hinder his chances of playing for the people that are paying him money. And so these, they're, they're disciplining themselves. They're, they're, they're being very careful. And it's the same for us as believers. We've got to be careful. What are we putting, what are we allowing to go into our bodies? Because it's going to produce some kind of result. We've got to be careful of that. What are, we, what are we doing with our bodies? We've got to be careful with those things. Because the disciplining, see, when you get on the field, when you're in the race, the discipline had already be there. It should already be there. Those runners, they didn't start training the first day of the Olympics. They've been training way before the Olympics even showed up. They've been training for the past four years where nobody's looking, where nobody's seeing. And so that's where the training, that's where that training and that practice takes place right now. Football season's about to start up. But there are athletes, there are football players that have been training for months already to get ready for this month. I think we're still in preseason, but it's right around the corner. College football is getting ready to start back up. But, man, those things started way back in January. you got two-a-days going on. you you got all kinds of workouts, all kinds of training regimens. What are they doing? They are getting them ready for day one. And so this, the, the training and the practice that we're going through, and, and no one shows up for those things. I mean, sometimes some people show up to see all that. I know in baseball they have what's called spring training and my wife and I, we love going down to those games. That was a thrill for me to be able to go to a Major League Baseball game with 7,000 people versus 47,000 people. I mean, that, that's awesome to me. I enjoy watching that. But why is there only 7,000 and, and, and 40,000 at the big time game? Because that's just practice. There's not a whole lot weighing on that. But I tell you right now, if they don't practice, they ain't showing up in the big time. If, they, if any athlete said, you know what, I'm only going to practice if people show up just like they show up to watch me play, <laughs> then you ain't ever going to have anybody watch you play. Remember, we want to we be notable. You want, you want people to remember your name. You want God to know your name. You want God to, to call you out by name and say, this is what. He did. This is what she did with their life. And that greatness is achieved because we discipline ourselves. We, dis we discipline ourselves to run our race, to stay within the standards and the parameters of the race that's set before us. And we don't run it when we want to run it and run it where we want to run it. When it's time to run that race, we run. We achieve that greatness because we discipline ourselves to have a mentality of, I am great. Remember, Jesus said, be of good cheer. 
I have already overcome the world. I tell you, we got something better than any athlete has because all those athletes, they're going in to run, to play football, to play baseball, and they don't know the outcome at the end of the year. You think in baseball, there's 30 baseball teams, and only one is going to end up a champion. And in February, all those teams are showing up to be that one at the end of the year. You got a one in 30 chance that you're going to be the champions at the end of the season. We already know the outcome. We have the victory. We are the winners. We are the greatest. We have greatness inside of us. The question is, will we live up to that? Because what gets you to greatness is still required even though you know it's there. And we have to get our lives to line up with that. We've got to be disciplined to not disqualify ourselves and check our lives, not only when we're in the race and we're in front of people, but also when we're off scenes and behind the scenes. We've got to make sure that I'm staying disciplined even when nobody's watching because there's always one watching and he's the only one that matters anyway. And so we've got to keep that in mind that God's placed greatness inside of me so I don't have to succumb to that. I don't have to give in to this temptation. I don't have to be buried by this thing. And whether people are watching me or whether people are not, I saw a real cool thing where a guy said, um, he said, uh, the word character is the same word in the Hebrew as the word for statue. And so he said, and he pointed out wherever he was, he pointed out a statue and he says, does everybody know what that statue is doing right now? Well, yeah. Well, how do you know? You can't see it. He said that's what character is. Character is even when you are even when you are in you're absent, people still know what kind of life you lead. That's amazing. He said that statue, it's the same in the rain, it's the same in the cold, same in the heat, same position. You know what it's doing, and that's what character is. Character is, even when nobody's looking, they still know how I'm leading my life. We can all get there. We can all do that. We can all do better with that. And so that's what that discipline is. That's, I'm not going to disqualify myself from this race because what I do off the field is just as important as what I'm doing on the field. Whether I'm playing the game or training and practicing, I've got to make sure I'm not disqualifying myself. I've got to make sure I'm not putting something in my body that's going to disqualify me when I get to this point. Just like those athletes that are taking those substances that they shouldn't be. I mean, there was another baseball player that, I mean, he was just straight up doing drugs. He was cocaine, alcoholism, the whole thing. And he got banned from baseball. They kicked him out. And he was able to come back after a few years. He got cleaned up. But he's still on, on a road to recovery. And he's in rehab and, and, and doing all these things, still playing baseball. But if he slips, he has to let them know. Hey, I just put something in my body that is not legal under these circumstances to be able to play with you guys. And so we've got to keep that in mind that even though we're off screen, even though it's training, even though it's practice, 
It's just as important that, we're not di- that we are staying disciplined, not disqualifying ourselves from being able to run the race. It's not just what we do on the field. Amen? Uh, and, and just to let you know, you can write this down. It's in the notes on version. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 5. This is just kind of some homework. I'm not going to read the whole story. 2 Kings chapter 5, 20 through 27. It's a great passage to read because this was a man. Elisha had just healed this man named Naaman. And Naaman, he was a king, and uh, he wanted to give a bunch of stuff to Elisha. He said, let me give you this money. Let me give you these clothes. Let me, let me give you all this for healing me. And Elisha said, I can't take credit for the healing. God did it. I didn't do it. And so Naaman went away and took his stuff with him. But Elisha had a servant named Gehazi. And Gehazi said, you know, my master is an idiot for not taking this stuff. So, I mean, if he's not going to take it, someone should. I mean, this man is trying to bless somebody. Who would I be to not take it? And so he went and caught up with Naaman behind Elisha's back. He caught up with Naaman. And he said, hey, my master, uh, he decided after all he, he, he would like a few of that, a little bit of that. So Gehazi took it and put it in his tent for himself. The next time he showed up in Elisha's presence, Elisha says, Hey, are you out talking to Naaman? And he's like, blah, 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 blah. And Elisha said, Don't you know my spirit went with you? I was right there the whole time. And the leprosy that Naaman was healed from came on Gehazi. What Gehazi had done off the field came back and disqualified him from being able to run his race. And this is a serious thing. God's grace is there. God's mercy is there. But that grace is to empower us to get it right. That grace is to empower us to make right choices. That grace is to empower us to say the right things. That grace is in our lives not to put a Band-Aid on it and cover it up and say, it's okay, we'll get it right next time. We'll get it right next time. But let's repent, and the word repent means to change our thinking, turn away from, go the opposite direction, and let's move on with the race that God has placed before us. Amen? We've got to get that discipline in our lives that, you know what? I don't care if nobody sees me right now. I don't care if nobody's around. God sees me, and I don't want to be disqualified from the race that he's set before me. I don't want to show up on the playing field And they tell me, you know what, you can't even play because of what you did over here. We can't even let you in. That's very distraught. The two guys that got caught this week, they were very valuable people to the team. You want to be a valuable player. You want to be a person of value. When you show up, you want people to think, there he is. That's what we want. That's the one we're looking for. That's what you want people to say. And these guys were very valuable. But, and I didn't even define this. Let me tell you what disqualified means. Disqualified means to not pass the test. It means to not pass the test. It means to be unfit. It means to be unfit. And then the last one, you know, these trainers, they work real hard to get fit. And that's rough when all of a sudden you are unfit. 
And then the last one is, it means not of value. When you're disqualified, you bring no value. We've got to be able to bring value to the team. We've got to be able to bring value when we're running our race. And so God has empowered us. God has placed that greatness inside of us. He has given us that grace that is sufficient to run our race. And so he's saying, let's get it right off the field so when the time comes, when the game starts, we're ready to go. Those two guys that got banned this past week, they were very valuable. And now all of a sudden, like that, they became invaluable. Not based upon their talent, not because they got hurt, not because their skills all of a sudden went away, because they disqualified themselves. You know, we've, I've seen that so many times, especially with worship team members. That always seems to be the biggest one because you, you've got to know someone's heart. And I'm very big on that. I don't, I don't just place anybody up here that doesn't have a, have a heart for God's people, a, a heart uh, to, to, to lead worship and lead people into God's throne room. And I've seen many people become disqualified not because of what they did up here. They didn't get up here and all of a sudden start recounting God and, and saying, you don't need to follow Jesus. It wasn't because they're teaching or, or um, their, their skill and their, uh, their, their talent all of a sudden went away. They were still a great guitar player, still a great singer, still a great drummer. They, got be, they, they became disqualified because of something off the field. Because they were allowing something in their body that shouldn't have been there and it produced the wrong result. You know, sometimes I think, you know, those runners, man, they're okay to be able to eat a brownie every now and then. <laughs> they can go burn it off tomorrow morning. You know, those guys' metabolism's got to be through the roof. But what do they do? They're disciplined. They're diligent. I'm not going to allow something in my body that's going to produce a wrong result. I'm not going to do something with my body. I'm not going to sleep in. I'm not going to stay up late. I'm not going to just lay around. I'm training. I'm working out. I'm allowing people to invest in my life that are going to help me achieve that goal. So when the time comes, they're not disqualified. We've got to be able to bring discipline to our lives. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you that you have called us to greatness. We are the greatest because you live inside of us, the greater one. And so, Father, I thank you that you have overcome the world. You have overcome everything that we could ever come against. And, Father, I thank you you have given us the ability, the power, to be able to come against those things ourselves. And those things that are trying to weigh us down, those things that are trying to slow us up, those things that are trying to hinder us from running the race you have set before us. Father, I thank you right now that we begin to discipline ourselves. We begin to become diligent to put those things down and to operate according to your word. Operate according to the power and the anointing that you have placed on our lives to be able to run the race. There are people that you want us to influence. There are people that you want us to be able to have an impact on with our lives. And Father, I thank you that you have placed greatness inside of us that will allow that to come out to influence someone else's life. Father, I thank you for every person in this room, whatever we may be struggling with today, whatever that thing is that seems like I just can't seem to beat it, I just can't seem to, 
to, to overcome it. Father, I thank you that our mentality begins to identify with who you are inside of us, not the weakness on the outside of us. And Father, I thank you that our perspective will change and we'll say, you know what? I'm already on the winning team. I already have the greater one inside of me. I'm not going to lose this game. I'm not going to lose this race. I'm not going to give up, but I'm going to go on, pursue everything you've called me to do, Father. And I thank you right now that we begin to change that mentality, change that mindset within ourselves, and we'll find ourselves overcoming in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.